This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. especially if it's your first time here. Um, this is a key, key Sunday in our journey. And I think for you as a first-time guest, there's no better time to be here because we're giving some information. We've been rolling out some information just about a season that we're in, a season of transition. And we're launched this, uh, what we call the One Initiative. And there's some information actually out in the lobby that you can grab on your way out if you don't already have a packet of that. And if you want to look at it digitally, it's on, online on our website. We'd love to have you check that out. Because this is very, very key for us to all understand what's happening, be on the same page. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that at the end. But this is an opportunity for first-time guests and those who have not heard uh, what's happening at Harbor. We've been in existence for 20 years. And this is, I think, one of the most profound moments in our journey. And I'm excited about it. It feels like we're just getting started. And um, God is, is setting us up for the future days and excited to have you guys here as a part of it. So if I look a little dazed and confused, it's because I am. Come on, somebody. Um, I just flew in last night from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I had the most beautiful sunset when I took off at 6 in the morning from out there. And, um, you know, the Lord just kind of uses those, those times away when we get outside of our own uh, worlds, right? And he gives us good perspective. And that sunset just so spoke to me that, like, at the dawning of every new day, New hope is there for us. Like his, his mercies are new every morning, right? And the possibilities of what we could see in our lives are endless. So it was beautiful. I was actually out there um, because family is a priority to me. Everybody say priority. And I don't, I don't share this in a pious way. I actually didn't even think about it until this morning that it ties in with my message. We're going to be looking at priority today where God is moving us forward as one in priority But family is a real priority, and how many of you know that when we make something a priority, we've got to put some skin in the game and put money where our mouth is? Does that make sense? Because otherwise, we're just talking jargon and stuff, and people, I think in this moment, in in our nation and stuff, and around the world, people want to see people that are authentic in what they believe in. They want to see it. They don't want to just hear about it. Actually, they really don't even want to hear about it anymore. They just want to see it, you know. So my dad, who's 85 years old and is just a maverick of a human being, I mean, he just just thinking on, this, on my time out there with him just about his life and who he is and just such an incredible human being. But he's 85 years old now, and he spends his winters in Arizona. And when he dro- drove back to Montana, which is where he's from, his home state, for the summer, um, we talked after that trip, and I could tell he was a little shaken up by it. You know, like it was a little more difficult, more challenging for him than that trip had normally been. My dad would just take road trips in the, in the past uh, years of his life, and it would be no problem for him to drive for a week or two weeks and just go see things and stuff like that. He's very adventurous. But I could tell that there was something with this last trip. So as the summer progressed and he was getting ready to go back to Arizona to get settled in for the winter, um, because the, the winters are long in Montana and cold, and, and so he settles in Arizona for the summer or for the winter time. I said, Dad, um, how would you feel about me coming out there and helping you to make that trip? And he didn't ask me to do that. I just, I could, t- you know, like I think it's so important for us to be sensitive 
to pick up on what other people need and, and, and not have to wait for them to ask us um, what, that, what, what our partnership with them may look like. And so I just told him, I said, hey, I'd love to come out and, um, and help you. And I did that. Wendy and I made a decision like on our own financial resource and time. Little did I know, little did I know that I would come through probably one of the most difficult two weeks in, in my entire ministry career, if you will. Like very challenging things, which I don't need to rehash this morning, but it was a very challenging time leading up to that. And I had this trip planned. How many of you know sometimes love that looks like something doesn't always show up when it's convenient for us to express it? Or when we necessarily feel like it. So sometimes like the Lord will allow circumstances and stuff to to see, okay, are your priorities really set in order and set in line here? And so I said, man, I I believe in family. I believe that we need to support one another. I believe we need to make that first above anything else. And so I flew out on Monday, I think it was, got in at midnight plus into Great Falls, Montana, helped load up the truck the next day. My back is jacked up, guys, like really messed up. I was a pole vaulter in college. I shredded my back. I didn't, I'm not feeling it till now, later in life. Can I get an amen? It's like all the things you do when you're younger, you feel them later when you're older, right? But, you know, I was like, Lord, please don't let me mess my back up loading these containers into into my dad's truck. We load them in for that day and then got up early the next morning and started our trek from Montana to Phoenix. It's not a short trip, guys. It's like 1,500 plus miles. And we had between five and seven hours in the truck every day. And from the moment we started till the moment we finished, my dad talked the entire time. (laughs) I remember like four moments of like 30 seconds of silence. (laughs) And I just, I just breathed those moments in. I was like, but it was beautiful. You know, like, you know, I'll, I'll probably look back on that trip and remember that time with my dad one day. Not now. (laughs) Not now. One day. Priority is key. And I want to just read this verse to you this morning, and we'll come back, we'll circle back to it at the end, um, because it's going to tie into the kind of the foundation of what I want to lay for you today as it relates to us being one in priority. Would you say that word with me? Priority. Would you say it with me again? Priority. That we'd be one in our priorities. Look what Matthew says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Every every single word in in these verses is intentional. It's very intentional. Look what he says. But, so he's already spoken about something, which we're going to look at in a little bit. And what he's spoken about, he says, but seek first. Everybody say first. That means that there's a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh and the list goes on. And those things are not unimportant. They are important, but they're not the most important. They're not the most important. And I think when we're talking about being believers and followers of Jesus, there's got to be a priority that we set for our lives that's different than the priority of what the world looks like. 
world, the world is the world and life is life and those things are all real. We're not trying to discount those things or live in with our head in the clouds or anything like that. But there is a difference between our lives and other people's lives by the grace of God because we've set a priority on what should be first. And here's what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. We'll take a look at that at the end today. There are other things that we need, that God knows we need, right? He understands, like, the dynamics of our life way more than we do, and, and, and he's going he's gonna to make way for those things. But he's looking for a people that will seek first his kingdom. The first week is we've started to roll out this information on this one initiative as we're getting ready to transition come November More than likely, I'll just say this, more than likely, don't hold me to this, but more than likely our final gathering in this facility before we transition over uh, might be the first weekend in November because we're going to need some time to move our things and get settled into our new place, which is kind of being locked up at the moment. So I can't tell you that it's 100% because I don't do that until I sign on the dotted line. Come on, somebody. Nothing's done until it's signed for in this world, unfortunately, right? Handshakes don't work anymore. Come on, somebody. Unfortunately. But we looked at obedience the first week as we started rolling out this communication. And obedience is so important because it's what opens the door for us to begin. Say that with me. Begin. Come on, say it with me. Begin. It's the beginning. Obedience to step out and follow the life of uh, the, 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 the direction of the Lord is what begins to open the door for us to live this thing called life in God. It's the opening of that door. It's the beginning of those things. But we looked at last week how trust, as we trust in God, this is so powerful. As we trust in God, we are then able to be entrusted by him. Are you tracking with me? As we, God, I trust you, and we, and we, we follow him continually through the ups and the downs. Then he can entrust us with the things that he wants us to steward and carry. Well, priority, as we look at this today, it is where we are being faithful with what he's entrusted to us. It's a massive, massive thing. I actually am most excited, I think, about this message today because it's kind of at the center of our journey as we're communicating some key words. And I think that priority is like where it, it all kinds of really begins, it really begins to mesh and we start to see the fruit of our journey begin to bring forth life in other people. Priority. Being faithful with, with what he has entrusted to us. So I want to just take a brief look before we go back into where we started this morning in Matthew chapter 6. I want to take a brief look at Luke chapter 16. And um, I just want to give you some context for, for, for what's going to be shared in Luke chapter 16. This is where Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. And if you guys know who the Pharisees are, the Pharisees were these religious leaders. They were supposed to be an example to the people. You know, there, there are some that are, are, are to, to rise up and to be examples so that other people can see what it looks like to actually walk with God and then follow in their footsteps. This is what Paul said. Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. 
He was bold in that declaration because he, he had confidence in what God had done in his life as it related to obedience, as it related to trust, as it related to priority. All of these kinds of things, Paul was like, follow me as I follow Jesus. But the problem with the Pharisees is their priorities were all out of alignment. And this can happen. We shouldn't like judge these Pharisees because it can happen to any of us. They were all out of alignment. And they like to appear... Righteous would be the word, but let's just say that they got it all together. Everything's in order in public. But God knew their hearts in private. I don't, I don't speak that over any of us today in, in some form of judgment at all. Like, there is, there is just a connecting of the dots that God wants to do with us where we're actually honest with ourselves, like, what we say and portray in public actually aligns with who we actually are behind the scenes. That that alignment is made. That's called authenticity. Authenticity is important in our journey with the Lord. And so these guys were out of alignment in their priorities, but they wanted to appear like they were in alignment. But here's the problem that they had. They were covetousness. They had covetousness. Is that a... They were coveting. They were very coveting people. And, 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 the, and the problem with that is that this is where um, you have a craving for wealth and possess, possessions as your priority. Is this even relevant in the world today? Do you think anybody in our nation has a craving for wealth and possessions? That's not the culture of South Florida or anything like that, Right? I mean, nothing's wrong with resources. Nothing's wrong with things. But there is a big problem when they have to be first in our lives. When they take priority. And this is what was going on with the Pharisees. So here's what I want to just show you based on that context. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He's trying to teach them something because he wants them to step out of where they are into what he's calling them to do. And here it is, verse 10. He says, if you are faithful... And the word there is trustworthy. So when they had trust in the Lord, he now can entrust them with with the, the things he wants them to steward. And as they make the kingdom the priority, now they can be enabled by the grace of God to bear fruit in their lives. He says, if you are faithful, and what does he say? In the little things. I don't know why this is, but in our country, in our culture, We don't like to steward the little things. We want to get right to the big things. And God is is wanting to to give us opportunity to just just have a a moment to to, to give something into our lives to where we steward that little thing well. And then how many of you know that as we do that, he entrusts us with more? So if we're faithful with the little things, and look what he says here, you'll be trustworthy or faithful in the large things. Our, our, our capacity to steward the kingdom of God well doesn't just happen overnight. How many of you know it's a process? It's a process. And it's important that it's a process because God doesn't want to give us too much that we're not able to handle to destroy our lives. He wants us to thrive in the midst of this journey. And so he step by step takes us down this road where we're faithful with little, then he begins to give us more and more and more to be entrusted with. He says if you're dishonest in little things, then you won't be honest in greater responsibilities. 
If you are untrustworthy, this is where he kind of begins to get into the, where the rubber meets the road here. He says, if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, then how will I be able to entrust you with true riches? Now, I wish I could oh, just somehow communicate the truth, and I'm just going to believe that the Spirit of God is going to get in all of our hearts. True wealth, true riches, things that really matter, are the riches of the kingdom of God. And these things are a complete mystery to the majority of the world. Like what we give ourselves to as we, as we follow him in obedience, as we trust him, as we give priority to the kingdom, he begins to hand things over to us that are way bigger than we think and realize. That literally, are, literally on earth, is, is, is heaven is moving in and through us to affect cities and people and nations. It's bigger and more profound. Like your life in this thing that I'm talking about today really, really matters to God. And we need to move forward into these spaces as one and really see something happen in our generation. This is a moment. This is a moment. And the older I get, the more I'm passionately turning into these spaces because I'm realizing this is what life is all about. At the end of the day, everything else that you've acquired in life, you will leave behind. Do you know that? Even the worldly wealth that God's given you to steward, you will leave that behind. And there will be treasures in heaven. They're called the rewards of God that you will, that you will have to, to enter into and take hold of for all of eternity. That can never be stolen from you. That can never be taken. That rust cannot, rust cannot corrupt. Is that it? Moth can't... <laughs> Moths can't fly around it <laughs> like a moth to the flame. I'm just starting to make things up now. It's in the Bible. Moths are in the Bible. So moths won't eat your clothes. <laughs> People can't steal it. They can't take it from you. It can never be taken. What you've done for God in your obedience is yours locked in for all of eternity. And we put all of our hope and all of our trust in this world, in this life. And listen, we lean in here hard to that at the harbor. We're all about the kingdom coming now. But listen, there's also another message to this, this thing called the gospel. It's called eternal rewards. And living and being positioned with God forever in all of the eons to come, whatever that's going to look like. And it's going to be amazing. And then he says, verse 12, as he kind of wraps this up, he says, if you're not faithful or trustworthy with other people's things, why should you be entrusted with the things of your own? There's dreams in our hearts, right? There's things that we want to do for God. Things that we want to do, period, in life. And the Lord's like, listen, if you align with me and what I'm doing, I'll give you all of that and then some. But if you can't be trustworthy, with what I have, then how can you be trustworthy with anything else that I give you? This is serving God, knowing that all we have, everything, has been given to us, is owned by the Lord, and we are simply stewarding his possessions. 
with our time, with our talents, and with our financial resources. It's all God's. How much time you have, what he's put in your life that you have talents and gifts to do for him, what he entrusts in you, to you, even concerning worldly wealth and stuff. It's all the Lord's, right? It's all the Lord's. Are you guys tracking? It's all God's. It's all the Lord's, all of it. Every single piece of it. And you are the Lord's. Like, you are his. You are his possession. This is what it means to steward these realities, to be a bondservant. He says this in verse 13. As we wrap this portion up and move on to where we're going this morning. He says, no one can be a slave to two masters. This is where there's this dichotomy and God wants to bring reconciliation to it. For you would hate one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Or the worries of money, really, is what he's trying to get at here. Here's what I want to do as we move towards concluding our time today. I want to go back to the section of scripture where I read out of Matthew chapter 6. We talked about the kingdom of God is what we have to seek first. And let's rewind quickly to verse 25 so that we kind of see what he's talking about. This is really, really powerful. Verse 25 in Matthew chapter 6. This is why I tell you, never. This, that's really strong language, right? Never to be what? Say it louder, please. Say it again. How many of us have worried in the last day, 24 hours, month, right? No condemnation. I have my hand up here. But there's a possibility in the grace of God for us to never be worried. Isn't that insane? I mean, we, we, we talk about the gospel. We talk about the good news. And in the good news, in what Christ paid for on the cross, and that was accomplished for us, there's a possibility in that grace, for us to never walk in worry. Never walk in worry about our life. Now this is crazy stuff, but he says, for all that you, what's the word here? Not necessarily want. He'll give you, he's like, he's so good. He'll actually give you what you want. Like in the craziest moments, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't even feel like I deserve this. But he does promise right here, that he will take care of all that we need, such as the basics of life, food, water, clothing, everything your body needs, he says. And he's trying to get at something. He's trying to get at priority here. He says, isn't there more to life than a meal? Some of us are living that out more than others. Can I get an amen? Is your body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at all the, and he starts trying to talk about creation. He says, look at all the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly father provides to each of them with food. Aren't you much, here's here's where we gotta, God's trying to get into our, our hearts and give us proper perspective on who we actually are. He says, are you not more valuable? Here's the reason we worry. It's because we don't actually believe that God really values us. 
and really cares about the details and circumstances of our life. I'm like thinking as, as we're going into this one initiative thing, and I'm even talk, preaching on what I'm talking about today. I'm like, God, I could have never timed this any worse, if you will, in the natural, where there's like an economic, you know, th- the bleakness to our, our horizon in front of us, right? But these are the perfect times when God wants to come in and do something deeper. He doesn't want to, he doesn't do that stuff when the stock market's exploding, your 401k is up, you're making the most money you've ever made in your entire life, you're getting inheritances, you know, you're rolling large, you know, you got, you got the house, you got the cars, you got all this stuff. Listen, he wants to get in there when times are a little bit challenging to see if we really believe him. But the only way we're going to get to the other side is to realize our value. To really get that God cares about us, cares and is concerned about our needs and all that's going on in our life. You know, when I was driving with my dad, one of the things he brought up was, you know, just as you get older, you can have the possibility to lose mobility, lose your independence. You lose your ability to to actually take care of yourself. I I didn't tell him. I didn't, didn't feel like it was time yet. But I remember some years ago when, when Wendy and I gave our hearts to the Lord in terms of serving him in this thing called leadership and ministry. We knew, please hear me, we knew that probably for the rest of our lives we'd never be around our family, our parents. And in the midst of that, we had great concern. And the Lord spoke to us as clear as day. And he said, if you take care of my kingdom, I'm going to take care of your family. And I was looking at my dad, and I'm like, I, I had this love, and as I was looking at him, I'm like, you don't even know your value. God's going to take care of you because he loves you. Don't, have, don't worry about those things. Don't let those things keep you up at night because you have value, and God's got you covered. He says in verse 27, so which one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? Have you ever had one of those th- times when you just sit up at night and you just... The, the, the worries just start going through your mind and then you go over them four and five times and you're just worrying, worrying, worrying. You have no sleep and then you wake up and it didn't do any good, right? It didn't help anything. Just wore you out even more, right? We can lay our heads on our pillows knowing that God's got everything covered. I'm just gonna skip down to verse 31. He says, so then forsake your worries. Why would you say, this is, this, you got to please dial in. We're, we're wrapping this up. This is very important for you to see the scripture. Why would you say, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Look at verse 32. This is massive. For that is what unbelievers, what? Chase after. I've seen some of the most talented people that could be even way more successful, but they're chasing after worldly wealth, worldly possessions, And if they just chased after the kingdom of God, all that other stuff would fall in proper alignment and they'd probably be 10 times more successful than they are right now. But they're chasing after. They've made priority of these things. And the reason is they don't understand their value. They don't understand their own worth. They don't get that, that, you know, you don't have to chase after those things. As sons and daughters of God, we don't have to beg for bread. 
Do you get it? We don't have to beg for bread. We don't have to do any of those things. We just need to come into alignment with his will, his kingdom. God, what are you saying? I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to trust you in the process. I'm going to make your kingdom priority. And along the way, even with ups and downs, you're going to get my back. This doesn't mean we sit on our hands. It doesn't mean we stay stuck or paralyzed. You need to move forward, even if you're going forward in the wrong direction. I remember when I was in Bible school, this guy had this bike, and he was teaching. And he said, you could have your bike pointed in the exact direction of where you're supposed to go. But if you're not pedaling that bike and making some motion happen, God can't work with you. Even if you start going down this direction and you start pedaling the wrong way, God will steer you where he wants you to go. Get out of your stuckness. Get out of where you're stuck right now. Rise up in this moment. Start to move a little bit. And then give God the work of your hands and the labor of your heart, even if it's all wrong. Wendy and I have made some mistakes in our lives. We've made decisions that weren't perfect and weren't right. But we were trying sincerely out of our best just to follow God, be obedient, trust him, make him a priority. And he got us to where he wanted us to go so far by the grace of God. took a lot of energy. (laughs) I'm burning calories up here. Here's how he concludes all of this context. It's where we began today. He says, but if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things that we worry about will be added to us. Isn't that interesting? As the band comes up, I just want to conclude with a a story and then just be very vulnerable from my heart with you, okay? And I think this this story fits in well because did you guys know we're on the eve of Yom Kippur tonight? I don't really study those things out per se, like dictate my life by them, but it's really interesting because the whole thing in this high holiday season, um, there's the Jewish New Year. And how many of you know with each new year there's hope and there's expectation, right? So you go into that, and then this is the most, in, in, in the Jewish context, should be ours as well, this whole concept of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. There's something significant about atonement. And so I looked up the word atonement this morning, and it means this. It means reparations for a wrong or an injury. In other words, whatever's been taken from you, Whatever has come and tried to hit you, whatever has come and tried to discourage you, loss, what a, you, 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 as you're here listening to the sound of my voice, there's going to be things that God's going to fill in those blanks for you. With, with all of those things, God has, has already done it. He's already made reparation for those injustices against you and the rest of humanity. And he is serious about this stuff. You do not have to fight his battles. You need to trust him to fight on your behalf. There are injustices that we can't even make sense of on why they happened in our lives. And this is where we really got to lean in and trust God. But we are entering in this new year to a day of atonement. Where there is reconciliation. Do you understand what that word means? That means things are all bought back by God and turned over into your care. These these last two years for me as a pastor have been hell. I'm just going to be honest. 
a disruption in our provision to stay on this campus was supposed to be for the next seven years. And there's a whole long story behind it that I don't want to go into this morning. But the longer you're around here, you'll hear some of these things and like hear our journey. But it's, so I'm like, Lord, what is happening here? Why? He's like, because I want to do something new in you, Darren. He's not the cause of any of those things. But listen, he will leverage, he will leverage moments for your betterment because he's made reparation for all that's been taken and stolen from you. Whether your body's facing sickness, whether your mind has been confused and under depression or anxiety, whether you've lost people close to you. There's been a, how many of you know, I don't need that like show of hands or anything. How many of you know a lot has gone down since March of 2020 up until now. And there was probably some stuff that was happening on the front of that that even weakened you and me as we went into these moments. Listen, the enemy ain't playing right now. He thinks that he's going to wipe out this thing called the body of Christ, and he has way overplayed his hand. He is a fool. He's never learned. He's so arrogant and narcissistic in his belief system that he has no clue that even as he overplayed his hand with Jesus, anything he tries to do now, those reparations are, 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 are captured in the grace of God because they were paid for back then when Christ went down into that thing called the pit of hell, took back those keys of authority from Satan himself, and then began to entrust those same, same keys to his apostles in the early church all the way up for 2,000 years to now. And the hosts of heaven are looking for a generation to say, in the midst of whatever's going on, politically, socially, economically, will we rise in these moments? And I've had my questions. I've sat up at night and I've worried more than I should. Here's what I'm convinced of. just like in the book of Acts, and I'm not trying to make this hyper-spiritual or melodramatic or anything like that, but kind of the numbers kind of got whittled a little bit. I mean, there were thousands of people following Jesus, right? But there was 120 that were in an upper room that were like, God, all our, our, we cashed our chips in, everything that we have and all that we believe And all that we know is that we have to have you. They completely sold out to that. In the world system, we think the tipping point is the multitudes. In the kingdom of God, the tipping point are the sold out ones that are ready to make a way for a nation nation to be saved. It's like Gideon's army. It's like 30,000 got whittled down to how many? 300, right? It's not that those people were any better than anybody else, but they're like, hey, there was a surrender that they locked into. And I'm convinced that on October 15th, when we take a step of commitment in our one initiative and say, hey, here's where I'm at, here's what I've been doing, even as it relates to worldly wealth, I'm going to take a step forward from where I'm at to help give aid to this moment as a house to get us positioned for the success of what God has, which if God even told us what that looked like, we wouldn't even believe him because it would blow our minds. Can you feel it? Can you kind of feel it in the air? Like even these last three weeks of worship, I'm like, oh man, something's going on here. 
I told our team and I got honest with them. I said, I've, I've been a pastor here for 20 years. I've never once asked our people to take a step forward. If you've never given, give. If you've given, but it's been way sporadic, it's not monthly, take a step and just whatever amount that is, give that. If you've been given monthly, take another step and just say, hey, I'm going to up that. Maybe, maybe get really crazy and say, God, it all is yours, so I'm putting everything on the table. Tell me what you want me to do. I told our team, that, even me saying it this morning, I said, was, is the most scary thing I've ever done in my life because I know how jaded people are with agendas by pastors and leaders and churches to have this building and that thing and the bigger car. Listen, that's not who we are. We've never been that 20 years and we have a history to prove that. But I'm convinced that if we don't take, we have to take that step together. It's like so important. It's vital. And it can be maybe 120 of us that will do that. Because guess what? You don't have to do anything. Are you hearing me? You have permission to do whatever you want to. You don't have to do anything. But the Lord's like, give at least, Darren, an invitation. Because there's more to this than just the transition from one building to another, getting some savings to maybe acquire a place one day, like all that. It's way bigger than that. God's getting all up in our stuff to see, will we be obedient? Will we trust him? Will we make him the priority? Will we not worry because we have value of our lives? Would you stand with me all over this place? I want to end by this. This is different. I've never done this before, but if you've had something taken from you, maybe a relationship, maybe a loved one, maybe an investment, maybe a job promotion, maybe a dream. I could go on and on and on. Could we just posture our hearts before the Lord and ask him to take out all worry, all anxiety. Allow him to come into maybe some spaces in our hearts that we haven't really given him access to because the enemies lied to us and told us that God wasn't faithful to the things we believed him for. And some things that just didn't make sense to our natural minds. We blame God because Maybe if he would have been a little bit better or really cared about us, these things wouldn't have happened. Could you just, all over this room, could you just close your eyes and go there? There's been a lot of things. I know this. The enemy has tried to dish out over this generation. As you know, this generation, especially the younger people, they've never been more filled with anxiety and hopelessness as it relates to the future. The older folks, I talked to my dad for hours. They're just completely hopeless about what what lies ahead of us tomorrow. That is is not great perspective, but the enemy has, has, has convinced us. If it isn't good, he's not finished. The Bible speaks of a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle shining 
like the sun in the midst of darkness. The glory of the Lord will rest upon his people. He will rest upon you despite what has been taken from you. And he will restore unto you everything that the locust has eaten. He will give you your joy back. He will give you your hope back. He will give you your belief back. He'll give you your trust back. So all over this room, if that's you in any way, would you lift up your hands? Father, would you come even in this moment and would you shift something in the atmosphere of our hearts? Would you come and shift something in the atmosphere even over this room and over your, your bride, not only here at Harbor, but in our region? Come on, let's begin to pray. Lord, we ask that even the ripple waves and effects of this word that is your eternal word would ripple out from this place and go and touch pastors, touch other leaders, touch other congregants that have been plagued. Oh, even over the last five plus years, God, would you come even on the eve of atonement and would you reconcile all things, God? Come on, do this. Pour out your blood. Pour out your blood, Jesus, the power of your blood, the reconciling power of the blood of the Lamb that is spotless, without blemish. Come on, pray that with me. Pour out your blood, Lord. Pour out your blood, God. Redeem all things. Come on, even on the eve of Yom Kippur, we look for hope tomorrow to come, God. Break through into our region and into our nation in Jesus' name. Come on, begin to just lift up your voices to Jesus as Canel leads us. I'm telling you, it's important for us to shout out, to shout out the goodness of God, that Yahweh is here. He has come. He has done exactly what he says, and he's going to perfect all the things that concern us in Jesus' name. just the voices all over this place and just let the refreshing water of God's presence the peace that surpasses all understanding come over your heart even right now in this moment come on just in the quiet here with the Lord let's just sing that out God let the rain of your presence of your kingdom come visit us today
feel this very strongly over some people in this room where you've been living under dread and worry. It's hard for you even to enjoy a moment that you should be enjoying. God wants to break that off of you today. He wants to reconcile some things this morning to where you can live life again. That is just not okay for you not to be able to enjoy the things that he's wanting you to enjoy in this moment. There's been a disruption there. And even today, that is shifting in the name of the Lord where tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to have a fresh perspective on life. Everything's going to be more colorful, more hope-filled. The sun's just going to seem a little bit brighter. The sky a little bit bluer, the ocean a little clearer. If that's you, put your hand on your heart. Just say, God, have your way in me. Only Holy Spirit can do this. Only God can do something like that. He will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. There will be peace that surpasses all understanding. You can't even figure it out. How could I have peace in a moment like this? God will grant you peace like you've never known. Have your way. Have your way. Let it rain. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.